Have you ever noticed how we greet each other? We'll ask, hey, how's it going? We say that all the time when we see each other. But do we really want to know the answer? 99% of the time, the response is something like, I'm good. How about you? And then again, 99% of the time, our reply back is, yeah, I'm good too. But there are times, maybe lots of times, when we're not so good. So why don't we just come out and say that? Well, in some situations, I think it's because there's a certain unwritten code of conduct we live by. This code defines when we've crossed the line into TMI territory. For example, I attend a lot of meetings at work. That's pretty much all I do at work. I just go to meeting after meeting. And part of uh, these meetings have a code of conduct as well. And part of that code is you always start with some chit chat. Right? I mean, you don't go into a meeting and go right into it like, hey, where's that project? The deadline was yesterday. You're probably not going to be very successful if that's your approach. Instead, you might ask about the kids. Uh, you might ask what they did over the weekend. Uh, all else fails, you'll talk about the weather. But before any of that chit chat happens, almost always the first question is something like, hi. How are you today? And we ask that question with the expectation that the person who's going to be responding to us is going to also follow this code and respond with something like, I'm good. How are you? But imagine if the response was a little bit more honest, something like, oh, I'm so glad you asked because I'm barely hanging by a thread. I don't know if I can go on with life anymore. Whoa, like how do you respond to something like that? But hardly anybody does this because for one, it takes a lot of guts to be that honest, right? But there's another reason nobody's that honest. And this is what I wanna talk about today. It's this thing called burden. We think about burden, we even say the word burden a lot. You might say something like, you know, I really don't want to burden you with my problems. And I think the reason why we say things like, oh, I'm good, when someone asks us how we're doing, is because we don't want to burden other people with our problems. And let's be honest, most of us don't want to receive the burden from other people either. But God speaks very clearly about this through his word. And he's been speaking to me directly about it. There are many examples where God talks about this concept of burden, but I just want to share just one today. And that one is found in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. This short verse captures this idea very simply and plainly. Galatians 6.2 says this, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Some translations use the word carry, as in carry each other's burdens. Now the word carry is, I'd say, a good substitute that helps us to better understand this text, but I think there's something significant about the word bear instead of carry. Because you see, when we carry someone's burdens, 
we can set some boundaries around that. Say you're walking and carrying five grocery bags and I come along and say, hey, let me help you carry your bags for you. I can choose to carry all five bags for you or I can choose to just carry one bag for you. I can also choose to carry them all the way to your home or stop when I get tired. Sometimes I feel like I take my responsibility as a Christian the same way. I'll do what's convenient for me, only up to a certain point, or I'll do the things that I like, that fits my lifestyle and my interests. Now, that's not such a bad thing. At least I'm doing something to help. But I believe God is calling us to do much, much more. And this is where the word bear comes in. We use the word bear to describe something we can't tolerate. We'll say something like, I can't bear the pain. Or I can't bear to see him struggling that way. You see, to bear a burden goes a step further than to carry a burden. It's not just, here, let me carry one or two bags for you, or only just to the end of the block, end of the block because I'm getting tired. Instead, it's stopping and asking, why are you out here all alone in the first place carrying all these bags and really wanting to know the answer to that question? It's saying, I can't bear the thought of you struggling to carry all these bags by yourself. So, you know what? I'm going to stick with you until you get home, even if it takes me all day. When we bear someone's burden, there are no boundaries. It's doing it even if it's not convenient for me, even if I don't like it, even if it doesn't fit my lifestyle or my interests. It's when we accept someone's burden make it our own burden, and we endure the pain of that burden with that other person. And that is a whole different ballgame. One that I admit is really, really hard, at least for me. But it gets even more challenging when we read the rest of the verse. It says, bear one another's burdens. And here's the second part and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ then really is the law of bearing. We clearly see this in Jesus's life. How did Jesus live and what did he teach? Well, the answer is many, many things, but if you really think about it, all of those things boil down to one thing really. He didn't just heal the sick and feed the hungry. He didn't just minister to the outcasts and give to the poor. The whole entire work of Christ can be summed up in this one word, bearing. Everything he did was because he was bearing the burdens of those around him. And then, of course, when he died on the cross, he didn't just do what was comfortable for him. He took the sins of the entire world. Now, talk about a huge burden. The sins of the entire world made that his own burden and endured the pain of that burden even to the point of death. So if Christians are supposed to be followers of Christ, shouldn't our entire lives also be focused on doing the same? 
But let's be honest, that just seems really, really hard and overwhelming. I once knew someone suffering from mental illness. That's one of the toughest burdens to bear. We usually don't know how to deal with it. So we tend to sweep it under the rug or, or just ignore it or avoid that person. I remember wanting to help this person, but I was only willing to carry one bag or just to the end of the block. I wasn't willing to bear that huge burden. How could I make that kind of burden my own burden and endure the pain of that burden with this person? You know, I don't know if there's any official connection between the noun form of the word bear, as in the animal bear, and the verb form of the word bear, like we're talking about and exploring today. But I do see a connection because you almost have to be as strong as a bear to get into the life of someone suffering from mental illness and to make it your own burden. And I just simply don't have that kind of strength. Do you? So what do we do? I'm going to suggest that the ministry of bearing starts with prayer. First of all, if you can't even spend a few minutes praying for someone, I think that's a reflection that we really have no interest in that person's burdens. But more importantly, we just don't naturally have the kind of love in us. At least I don't. So we need the love of Jesus in our lives to even have a shot at this. And that requires us to take it to God in prayer. I've been reading a book, a great little book called Life Together. And it talks about this ministry of bearing one another's burdens as really all about love. If you think about it, you can't have a desire to bear someone's burdens without love. So the book says this. Thus, this spiritual love will speak to Christ about a brother more than to a brother about Christ. Reflect on that for a second. It's a very profound statement that we would speak to Christ about a brother more than we would speak to a, uh, um, more than to a brother about Christ. And this is profound because we usually think about witnessing the other way. We want to tell others about Jesus, but this is flipping that around and saying we ought to focus more on telling Jesus about others. In other words, it's not just telling the people you're trying to reach about Jesus, but it's also maybe more so important to tell Jesus about the people you're trying to reach. The book goes on to say, it knows that the most direct way to others is always through prayer to Christ and that the love of others is wholly dependent upon the truth in Christ. So through this type of relationship with Christ through prayer, we become changed because Christ, the one who bore the biggest burden of all on the cross, will transform us so that our relationship with others will also be transformed. It reminds me of George Mueller. There's a story about him that just blows me away. It's about how he prayed for others to be saved. I'm sure there were many people that he prayed for, but this particular story was about five 
friends. After praying for them every day for five years, five years he prayed, and one of the five friends finally came to accept Jesus. Five years, that's a long time. Have you ever prayed for anyone or anything for five years, for that long? But listen to this. He didn't stop there. He kept praying for the other four. And it wasn't until a long 10 years had passed that two more accepted Jesus. And then get this. 25 years later, the fourth friend came around. But George Mueller didn't stop. He still kept going and he kept praying, praying for that fifth and final friend. He kept praying until he died. But guess what? That fifth friend accepted Jesus just a few months after George Mueller died. So in total, George Mueller prayed for 52 years for these five friends. Amazing. When you consider that sort of perseverance, it's clear that he wasn't someone who simply prayed. His prayer was the result of a deep desire to bear the burdens of others. To this day, George Mueller is considered one of the greatest men of prayer since the days of the New Testament. But what encourages me most about George Mueller is that he wasn't always this way. And that gives me hope that we don't have to be this holy person to do this. Growing up in Germany in the early 1800s, George Mueller got into a lot of trouble, actually. He spent a lot of time drinking and gambling, stealing. He even found himself in jail one time. But one day, he decided to attend a Bible study. But his motive wasn't very good. He went to the Bible study because he wanted to make fun of Christians. But the power of the Holy Spirit was too strong as that Bible study led to his conversion. And he eventually committed his life to missionary work once he finished college. Now his dad wasn't very happy about this and cut off, his, cut off paying his tuition and living expenses. Well, not knowing what to do, George Mueller got on his knees and asked God to provide. One hour later, he heard a knock on the door. It was his professor offering him a paid tutoring job. And just like that, an answer to prayer. It was the beginning of his prayer life and dependence on God. As a result of his prayer life, God started to open his eyes to the people around him and their burdens. As his prayer life matured, he started to see things differently. He started to see children who had no moms or dads. They lived on the streets. They were hungry, lonely. Some were abused. For some reason, he never noticed them before. But as he started praying, all of a sudden, they're all he seemed to see. Bearing the burdens of others starts with an, an awareness, an awareness that was the result of an earnest prayer life. And that led to a conviction to open an orphanage. So he continued to pray for the means to do this. And boy, did God answer. Money started pouring in, big amounts from rich people, small amounts from poor people. But the crazy part is he never once asked anyone for a donation. 
He would just pray and God would provide. Eventually, he had enough money to start an orphanage, but the prayers didn't stop. When they ran out of food, he would pray as if they're about to eat, even though there was no food there, he would pray and then he would wait. He thanked God for the food and then he waited. And there's records of stories of how he would do this and then there'd be a knock on the door. It would be the local baker and the local baker would say, Mr. Mueller, I couldn't sleep last night. I felt convicted that you needed bread today. So I got up early and baked bread for your children. And then there was another knock. It was the milkman who said, Mr. Mueller, my cart just broke down outside. By the time I can get this thing fixed, the milk is going to spoil. Can you use some milk? It was just enough for 300 children that day. In all, George Mueller helped more than 10,000 orphans in his lifetime, all through the power of prayer. As God has been speaking to me, I started to feel a little bit of shame and regret that I don't have the same desire to bear the burdens of others like George Mueller. But God has been so good and has been reassuring me that it's okay and that he's here to help me. The one who died on the cross knows a little something about bearing the burdens of others. And so I started, God, I started to hear God say to me, why don't you talk to me about it? Ask me to open your eyes, Tony. The answer might be closer than you think. I started to hear God say, you know, George Mueller didn't start with a desire to build an orphanage. Uh, -uh. He started by simply talking to me. And when I saw that opening, I used it to open his eyes to the people right around him. And I started to hear God say, it was I who placed that desire in George Mueller's heart a desire to bear the burdens of children who had no one to turn to and nowhere to go. So Tony, before you feel disappointment or regret that you're not doing enough, talk to me and I'll open your eyes to the people right around you. Your own wife, let me show you what her burdens are. Your own children, let me show you what their burdens are. Your sister, your friend, that next door neighbor, yeah, they've all got burdens too. I know because I died for their burdens and I'm continuing to bear them every single day. So Tony, come to me, spend time with me and lean on me because I want to continue bearing their burdens only through you. If God has spoken to you today through this message, it's my prayer that you would seek to have a similar conversation with God yourself because he's clearly and plainly calling us to bear one another's burdens because the world, frankly, needs more and more burden bearers than ever before. But in his grace and his mercy and his kindness, he's not leaving us to do it on our own. He's eager to be a co-laborer with us in this ministry of bearing one another's burdens.